Just a reminder, everyone, the topics covered in this podcast are general in nature. They haven't taken into account your personal circumstances, and it's important to seek personal financial advice if you want to address any of the subject matter. Hello, welcome to the Money Men episode of the 15th of the 2nd, 2024. I'm Steve, and I'm here with the two other Money Men, Luke and Nick. G'day. How are you, Steve? Good, How are good. you, Nick? Hey, Steve. Yeah, good, Luke. You will notice, everyone, that there'll be a new um, photo or caricature attached to the episode this week. So those who haven't seen Nick before... You can see him in all his glory. <laughs> <laughs> it was so, quite kind to me. <laughs> I looked at it and I thought, who's this young bloke? <laughs> it's, 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 on, um, it's on Facebook now, so it's yeah, official. Yeah, it's, it's, he's, locked, he's locked in. He's locked in. Somehow you managed to get centre position, so you must be the most important money oh. man. <laughs> Works, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Clearly stroking my ego. We're just your wingman. Yeah, just on the side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Um, okay, well, uh, what's the last fortnight in the markets done for us, do you think? Um, I think you were just mentioning off air, Steve. The S&P is up a couple of... Uh, S&P 500 was up a couple of percent. Yeah, thereabouts. Yeah. yeah. Um, domestically, were we talking about generally flat markets? Well, it's flat, but, you know, the sitting about where it was a fortnight but there's been anything but flat in between well I mean yeah, yeah, yeah. that's, that's yeah. exactly right um, and I didn't even um, where do we get up to with the Dow Jones what's that doing similar story yeah yep. similar story to the Australian, Australian market pretty pretty flat um, if you look at starting and end points but um, I think with the Australian market it was what, probably a week ago that we had a reasonably sharp dip um, it sort of rebounded a bit from that yeah um, yeah uh, you know, we always say it, we say it every single episode. We talk about the fortnight and what the markets have done, but it's yep. a, a, absolutely of no consequence yep. at all um, because yep. we don't have um, you know, mm. most people. Most people aren't dealing um, in in active trading and turning over stocks on yeah. a daily or fortnightly basis. You know, most people are buying old, really. Um, especially when you're looking at the superannuation funds. Um, so what happens in a fortnight is irrelevant, really. Yeah. It's interesting to have, like, you know, earning seasons in full swing at the moment. So, um, you know, domestically, Australian companies are reporting their earnings. Um, mm. They're sort of mixed bag of results. Um, but there seems to be a pretty clear message that, as far as they're concerned, or some of the larger companies, that, you know, the worst of the 12 months is sort of behind them. Mm. Um so it's just it's just sort of interesting to see what what come actually comes out in the numbers because the share prices are one thing like we as we sort of sort of tongue in cheek talk about we don't really care to an extent what the fortnightly prices have done but it's actually important to understand the earnings of these companies because that's ultimately going to drive share price growth. Um, so yeah, it's just it'll be interesting to see um, what the month um, holds for us around um, domestic shares. I think anyway, watch this space. People always tend to forget about, um, you know, a downturn um, when we're in the middle of a good period. You know, I, I find that with the clients that I talk to, that you know, they they tend to forget that um, you can have your dips as well as your, your rises. But yep. that's human nature, isn't it? Mm. You know, um, they focus really hard on uh, when things are down. Yeah. 
um, and get quite um, joyous and buoyant um, when, when markets are up. And <laughs> but, but, but I think it's proportionally less uh, buoyant and joyous to the amount of sort of um, depression they get when yeah, markets yeah. go down. So yeah, isn't, yeah. It, isn't it yeah, funny? It is, like, it is human nature. Yeah. That leads to all those behaviours, doesn't it, yeah. around, you know, um, you know, doing the wrong thing, so selling selling low and yeah, buying high all and, and all those sorts yep. of things. It can have a huge impact on, on people's wealth. We're going to talk about wealth later. Mm-hmm. Um um, residential property again. We're we're not property agents, uh, so we don't we're not really there with our fingers on the pulse. But um, there seems to be just a general, you know, softening, longer time on market for properties at the moment. It seems to be that the interest rate rises, um, are sort of uh, biting, have, mm-hmm. have, have bitten mm-hmm. to some extent, and we're seeing that I guess in you know inflation um, coming back under some sort of control, back towards RBA. Um, you know, goals. Um, so yeah, that was to be expected. Um, I was saying earlier that in the you know we broadcast live from um, well, it's not live, is it? No, we broadcast from Waters Bay. It's close to Waters Bay is on the beautiful shores of Lake Macquarie. Yeah. Um, very close to Newcastle in New South Wales, and you know I think Waters Bay the median um, sale price is down by about six percent for the twelve month period, but it's come off. You know, a really. Um, Good high, yeah. You know, that's so, exactly right, um, and that's what markets do. Yeah, you wouldn't say pro- you wouldn't say houses are cheap. No, you still would <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. And I think I think property's still moving quite well in the affordable range. So yeah. you know, if you look at the affordable range of being say seven hundred to you know, nine hundred thousand ish, um, at six percent interest rates, you know, that's that's still affordable yep. for a lot of families for a lot of people. Um, you know, when you start getting into the you know two, three, four million dollar market, that does exclude now quite a number of people that yeah. would have been in the market a year ago at two percent interest rates. Yep. Um, but yeah, as I said, we're not property agents, so um, ignore everything that I've just said. Nor do and, we plan to be <laughs> property don't, agents. Don't plan to be. Okay, uh, what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about how to become wealthy. Mm-hmm. In general, so we'll we'll each have our views on that and some discussion and thoughts around it. Is Lotto a strategy? Uh, well, I don't know if it's a strategy, <laughs> but it is a way. Um, you have to be lucky, though, don't you? You do. Uh, talk uh, just about tax deductible super contributions and just uh, what types there are and mm. some of the limits and the pros and cons, perhaps, of of making tax deductible super contributions. And we'll have a little bit of a chat about um, mortgage offset accounts, which uh, for those who have a mortgage already would probably be aware of what they are. Um, for those who don't or are planning to go down the path of borrowing for a home or an investment, um, we'll give you some idea of yep. what they're all about. Okay, wins of the fortnight. What is yours, Luke? Because you're, well, the, you're the middle man. In, <laughs> in this group, so you guys. So I'm never going to live this down, am I? Um, well, just just back to that, Steve. You're talking about tax deductible super contributions, um, and it just made me think about a meeting I had with a prospective client. Actually, they're, they're coming on board um, to the business, um, both close to retirement. Uh, sorry, one has actually retired and just been paid out long service leave at the end of last year. Um, and, you know, has substantial cash savings. Not massive incomes, 
but a nice little opportunity to take advantage of some tax deductible superannuation contributions. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't give it all away in this part. No, no I, 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 I won't. Mm-hmm. But you know, we're talking about building a retirement plan for this couple. Mm-hmm. So we're not just talking about you know extracting some value out of some tax deductible contributions to super, but a full retirement plan. Um, you know, and and it's and it's not it's not um, it's not cheap to engage necessarily. Um, but one thing I will be able to show them is that all their PAYG um, tax will be refundable to them um, based on the strategies that we're going to be a- actually able to use um, when, when we engage. So, you know, one of them has obviously the long service leave payment, which they'll get a lot of that back anyway because it was overtaxed at that point in time. But I think it'll be pretty cool for this client to actually have, you know, what I can only assume based on my rough notes, um, you know, 17 grand refunded to them. <laughs> so, yeah, so, you know. That's, that's powerful. Yeah, that, that's, that's pretty powerful. There are, there are things that people would miss. Quite, you know, quite a high... Um, chance that they would miss that opportunity yeah, if they were doing it themselves. Yeah. And, and I'll, I mean, I'm sure we will talk about why are people all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, but why are people able to make really large tax-deductible contributions? Um, and, of course, in this uh, client's circumstances, the client is retired, so putting money into super, whether all their own bank account is irrelevant, I mean, they've got effectively immediate access to it anyway. So it wasn't like they've put money away behind a wall and they've lost it. Um, we're just taking advantage of a tax arbitrage position as far as I'm concerned. So um, they will be pretty excited. Um, and obviously, I'll be able to articulate to them that, hey, yes, there's a fee to engage us, but um, I can assure you now that the fees are well and truly taken care of by the strategy or just one element of the strategy. Um, so yeah, that, that's a that's one of the wins um, of of the fortnight and certainly sort of ties into the tax deductible super contribution con- conversation we'll probably have a bit later. How about you, Nick, the newest member of the team? Yeah, so um, my win of the fortnight, um, I sat down with some clients last week um, and just was getting some updated values of their um, assets um, so they're um, receiving some Centrelink benefits, being the age pension. Um, and uh, as part of our discussions, we um, noted that they had recently replaced their roof um, and also added um, solar to their home. So all parts of their, their house um, and their house for um, age pension um, point of view um, isn't assessed. Um, so they've moved money out of their bank accounts um, into their house, essentially. Um, so from an assessed asset into a not assessed asset. And um, with our assistance, we updated it there in the meeting um, and we were able to see their age pension entitlements for the upcoming fortnight um, go up by $40 each. Mm. So um, they were quite happy with that. Mm. And um, it's something as well that's often missed yeah. Um, uh, with yeah, Centrelink doesn't tell you. Um, it's obviously a, a requirement within 14 days to update Centrelink of changed asset values, um, but they don't write out to you all the time asking you to <laughs> have you just replaced your your roof. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or have you spent your capital and yeah. hence resulted in a in a lower accessible position? Mm-hmm. And it's funny, Nick. Like 
that exact scenario sort of came up today in a meeting that Stephen and I were having a joint meeting with a client um, and we're sort of talking about, oh, yeah, what could you do to increase your age pension? And to Steve's point, you know, you could you could spend, you know, a million bucks on, on your house if you wanted to and, and, and get age pension. But it's probably a poorly understood sort of feature, isn't it? Um, and you've been able to obviously clearly identify that for the client. Um, and it's not 40 bucks a fortnight, it's 40 bucks... <laughs> For many fortnights, isn't it? Like you know, times so it's, two, yeah, 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 you know, so it times two. So it's a it's a huge, huge benefit um, to a client. Massive win. Yeah, that's again the value of advice and having someone on your side. Yeah, who yeah. knows these things? Knows it. Yeah. Um, my win. Um, had met some nice people again. It was a joint meeting, uh, Luke, wasn't it? I met some nice people last week. I think it was. Um, who are on the cusp of retirement, you've described, you know, both approaching 60. Um, you, know, you know, very nice, very nice couple. Yeah. You know, very enjoyable meeting. Um, when I initially spoke to him when he made the appointment, it was, um, you know, listen, you know, a friend referred me, don't really need, yep. don't really yep. need the financial <laughs> advice, but I'll come in for a chat, mm-hmm. you know. And, um, but it was, became obvious early on that, um, they probably do need advice and he probably realises that they do and he made comments like, you know, there's lots of things he knows he doesn't know and um, and uh, he would see value in that. Um, um, and, you know, we talked about the importance of them taking the time to, you know, understand what their retirement living needs will be. Mm. Um, so, you know, doing a retirement sort of budget planner to, to get ready so that we can sort of understand what it is that we will be helping them build in regard to a retirement plan. Um, and I think her language was around, gee, it would be good to get some comfort um, to just have the knowledge that we've got this sorted um, without having to wonder and second guess and, yeah. and try and work it all out ourselves. So, again, valuable advice. Um, really nice people um, and if they um, do engage with, with us I'm sure that um, it will be a long and fruitful relationship yeah mm. yep. there you go that's yeah, those themes are around the value of, um, of having someone you know in your corner yeah. um, that understands um, some of the strategies and, um, and things involved yeah and like people might you know we're not big noting um you know it's easy for us as advisors to sometimes forget what we do in our day jobs and you know and and the beauty of being able to sit down with steve and and absolutely nick um moving forward is we get to talk about this stuff and and share the share the story share the share the wins you know share the share the war story so to speak so yeah it's all it's all good stuff okay how do we how does how do you become wealthy Mm. you know that's that's, that's a, it's a question often just, hmm. I don't know if you guys notice this, if you're out at a barbecue or you're around friends and they know you're a financial planner, it's quite hmm. often, might not be quite, how do we become wealthy? How do we make more money? Hmm. Um, how do we get rich? Yeah, how do we get rich? Yeah. I don't know if you guys, hmm. and I hate, I hate the premise of the question because hmm. I'm like, it's, I know it's loaded. Hmm. I don't have a short answer. And that's how I'm going to deflect on this. I don't have a short answer. <laughs> Well, it's, it's probably a topic for another day, but I'm often telling people that as a financial planner, our job isn't to maximise things. Yep. Um, it's about balancing things and making sure we're hitting your goals yep. um, and achieving mm. them. Mm. And that, so, and that, yeah, that's a that's a good way of putting it. So what? What is wealthy? Yeah. What, okay. what, what, you know, if if I were to ask you, Luke, were you on the spot because mm-hmm. you're the man in the middle? Um, <laughs> if I was to ask you, what what is what is wealthy? 
Yeah, I mean, well, wealthy is going to be different to different people. But mm. I mean, if I could, if, if the way I sort of talk to clients around what wealthy should be, um, it's around understanding if they don't need to work, how much money do they need to be? Do, do they need coming in each week, each fortnight, each mm. month to supplement the lifestyle that they're maybe not used to? But often that's quite what it ends up being. But the lifestyle that they want. Um, and you know, within reason, because you always get the silly person that says, "Yeah, well, I want to, you know, I want to retire tomorrow," and and you know, this is the lifestyle I want. But once you sort of drill through through that sort of um, hyperbole, so to speak, you can sort of say to them, "Hey, what type of life do you want to lead?" Mm. And usually, that's going to be in terms of financial wealth, that's wealthy to them. Mm. Um, mm. So to me, like I would be saying, okay, if I didn't have to work, how much money would I want coming into my bank account each week, each fortnight? Um, understand what that is. So you know, I might say, I need a hundred bucks a week, um, and then I'm happy. Um, you yeah. know, yeah. Or, or it might be another number. Yeah, yeah, or it might be another number. So, mm-hmm. so, and then that would be wealthy to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I sort of don't look at wealth as. Um, a total figure um, especially when people start talking to me about oh my house is worth this or this is worth that Um, it's really income because I remind people continuously it's the income that buys the bread and milk it's not the necessarily the asset base so to speak so um, yeah that's probably a really wishy-washy question but and it doesn't answer how do we actually get there we get there with discipline. Yeah. Um, hold, hold on, hold yeah. on, you're jumping ahead. Okay. Jumping ahead. <laughs> what are you doing? Next, next, next turn. What, what do you think of is? I um, yeah, I completely agree with Luke. It's different for for everyone. Mm. Um, I'd I'd probably just touch on the the fact that there are some standards out there, the retirement standards, mm. yeah, um, to give uh, a bit of an average of a comfortable lifestyle as well as a a, a modest lifestyle, but. Um, and, and that's good to use to compare a budget to um, as a benchmark. But again, what is comfortable, it's mm-hmm. different for every person. So yeah. I'd, I'd say um, being wealthy is akin to being comfortable. Being comfortable, yeah, being, being able to live the life that you want to live yeah. without mm-hmm. financial pressure, yeah. I guess. Um, now, you know, we've spoken about everyone's difference. So, you know, I've, I've been a financial planner for far longer than I care to admit, so I'm not going to put a number to it, but um, I've dealt with people who whose idea of wealthy and, and comfortable and living the lifestyle they want is living in a, a, a caravan, you know, next to a river, um, having six beers a night, having a fish during the day, yep. and doing it all again tomorrow. Um, and that costs 25 grand a year. Yep. Um, then I've dealt with people who, you know, who their idea of wealthy is, you know, um, lots of um, expensive food and holidays and and trips and lifestyle um, assets, um, who need far more than than that, you know. So they might they might be needing. You know, I put my fingers up in in their what do they call their inverted commas or whatever. Or whatever. Um, they might be needing four or five or six grand a week, yep. you know, um, to yeah. to be comfortable yeah. and mm-hmm. be wealthy. Yep. Um, so everyone's different. You, you did. It's good that you pointed out that there are some um, some benchmarks around that. So I think at, at present, for a couple, it's considered to be close to seventy thousand dollars a year now yep. Uh, yep. has been the, the comfortable lifestyle. Um, but there is for the average Australian. But as I say to everyone, there is no average person. You know, the average is just 
you know, you add it all together and then divide it by the number that you're adding together. But there is no average person, so yep. everyone will have a different number. Yeah. Um, so, but seventy thousand is that guide, um, mm-hmm. and that's that's considered to be comfortable. Where you're able to do a bit of domestic travel, you're eating, you're you know eating nicely. Um, you're not sort of going without too much, but you're definitely not doing a thirty grand a year overseas holiday. No, no, that's you know? exactly right. Not yeah. upgrading your car every two years. That's right. I think they talk about every eight or ten years upgrading mm. your car. I think in that. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah. So. So now that we have absolutely defined what wealthy is, um, how do people get there? You know, so some people get lucky and, and win, what do you say, how do you win the lotto? Lotto. Um, win the lotto. But that's, that's luck and that's, um, that's not something that you plan for. In your experience, those that are wealthy and are sort of living the lifestyle that they want, uh, either before or after retirement, what, what do they do that sets them apart from those that aren't wealthy? So I'd, I'd say the number one thing is um, having a gap between what you're earning in terms of income and what you're spending. And usually the people with the biggest gaps there, um, meaning that they're saving the most, mm-hmm. um, also spend the most time on it in understanding what exactly is coming in yep. and what exactly is going out. Yep. Um, the people that have the least amount there or having a deficit often have no idea what's coming in and what's going out. Mm. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that um, understanding your cash flow is the thing, the number one thing that sets aside most wealthy people from those that aren't. Mm. Um, you know, so it's, it sounds easy, you know, when you just talk about it in a podcast like this, all you've got to do is... Yeah. Um, spend less than you bring in. Easy, eh? Yeah. I like that way you put it, though, Nick. <laughs> the biggest gap between yeah. what's you know, and and it's you know, it's um, it's it's a it's a really good point. It's a really 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 good point. And Nick, you were saying just before we started recording that um, uh, you know, big part of that too is when those people start to earn more, they don't spend more mm. Um, mm. as well. You know, so yeah. they understand what their expenses are and they keep themselves to that they don't increase their expenditure just because they're getting more money I think one of the best ways to do that is the way that you structure your bank accounts Mm -hmm. so rather than having your salary come into the same bank account that you have a card attached to that Mm -hmm. you use for all your spending Mm -hmm. um, separating your income um, into a different account and then paying yourself Mm -hmm. um, what you need for those Mm -hmm. um, those fixed costs, those yeah, those yeah. regular regular outgoings, yeah, yeah. The the um, it's it's so true, and and it, and it's so um, you know, it kind of segues into being disciplined with their approaches. So like all those things, you know, having the biggest gap, having those account structures, and everyone's account structures are a little bit unique to to them. I and I get it, um, but it really does sort of drill back down to that that mentality mentality around um, you're saving first and spending what's left over, yep. um, and and by doing that, you can then encourage that gap, um, and then with that gap, you can then start looking to utilise that elsewhere, um, mm. you know, or or build the wealth with that. Yeah, and the barefoot investor, you know, many people have heard about the barefoot investor and the book, and there are some good things in that. And, you know, one of the things that, that 
he promotes his that that type of thing. Bucket so strategies, the bucket yeah. Sort of strategies. So having money going away for a rainy day and money going away for your bills and money going away for your, you know, your daily discretionary expenditure and that sort of thing. Um, Do you think there's some personality traits in people that build wealth? Like, like I mean. I'm just thinking about it now, especially some of these conversations that I'm having with prospective clients that I definitely have a bit more money um, and are at that stage of wanting to, um, you know, look at that next step into retirement, pre-retirement planning. They're usually quite easygoing. They don't seem to get too worried about, I don't know, this is just observational. Like, I could be completely wrong, but, I mean, just a, there's some definitely some personality traits with, this, with some of these people that... Um, you can go, yeah, I can get along with you, um, you know, and 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 is it is it the traits or is it the personality? Like I I don't know. Like it's just interesting. I mean, you you've obviously got Steve more experience. Um, yeah, that's an interesting point. I I think that one of the the key factors is that they're prepared to learn. They're prepared to it's a growth mindset. Whether, whether they get formal advice from a financial planner or they do a lot of reading or mm. they you know, do a lot of research, they're all prepared to do that. Because yeah. um, you can be armed with the info, mm. but they may not act on it. And we get we see those yeah. people as well. Yeah, um, yeah. so people who, people who act and do are more likely, in my view, to become wealthy, wealthy. In, in their world than, than those who, who aren't prepared yeah. to act and do the smart things. I think you know, those who become wealthy are investors generally so I don't think they're just savers I think they are prepared to take the money that they've got available and they're prepared to invest it so whether that's as boring boring money's actually good whether yeah. that's as boring as taking yeah. those surpluses getting into super yeah. um, share portfolios yeah. whatever it may be they're investing yeah. or if it's a, a person who's uh, more entrepreneurial um, they're using cash flow and they're using they're prepared to um to go without now to invest in yeah. um, a venture or whatever. And so there is an element, you could argue, I think, like that they they operate uh, under a sort of a mentality of delayed gratification. They're, they're, yeah. comfort, they're comfortable to to sacrifice today yeah. um, to have a more comfortable tomorrow. Um, whereas you live in a world where so many people now, 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 you know, need this, you know, whatever it might be. Um, so it's just interesting there's... there's there's all those things that they do. They create the gap, as Nick pointed out. Um, they have the bucket approach. But then I'm just thinking as we're just talking, I'm like, some of them, I feel, have different personalities to the ones that don't accumulate wealth. Um, yeah. that, that's that's just my feeling. Yeah, I think everyone's different. Yeah. Yeah, one of my favourite stories is about the people who describe themselves as very, very conservative, um, You know, very boring around their money, work were concerned that they wouldn't be able to have about 80 grand a year to live on <laughs> and they've got, you know, like <laughs> 10 properties, you know, they've, they've just built, you know, purchased and accumulated over the years yeah. in, in their eyes in a very boring way, but they've been prepared to be disciplined, create the surplus yep. and then invest it, yep. you know, and, and that's paid dividends. Yep. You know? yep. And my message to them was, well, yeah, you can, you can have your $80,000 a year lifestyle. And, um, and, and, and the money personality was fearful that they wouldn't be able yeah. to do that. And, there, and therein lies some of the examples where getting even that wealthy person who's built the wealth up on their own, on their own, you know, hasn't necessarily had the help of an advisor. But the help of the advisor in this instance was to say, hey, it's okay to spend some money. 
you're, you're going to be all right. Mm. And, and that's even powerful for some people. Um, so, yeah. I think just touching on your point about personality as well, Luke, um, I agree. Uh, I, I think there's a, a range of different personalities. Um, yeah. And perhaps it's it's more about people understanding their own personality and, and structuring their financial plan around uh, that, around so. it. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. it's it's actually the fact that they understand themselves mm. and and you know as a result they're actually able to operate and, and you know implement those certain strategies that are going to work with their personality. Definitely. Um, yeah, yeah. No, it, it, it's it's just interesting. I guess that's all the fun stuff that we get exposed to on a daily basis. Absolutely. So there we go. We've solved the problem of how to become wealthy. Easy. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like we've left Make sure it. you tell everyone about this podcast. We've, we've cracked it. Um, well, okay, so we are also now going to talk about, um, get back to, in fact, um, tax deductible super contributions. Right. Um, so we do talk about this a little bit, you know, in various different ways. Um, but I thought a bit of a refresher today around, um, you know, what types or how you do it. Um, um, yeah, some of the limits around that um, and how for certain people um, they're able to get a bit more in than others into super um, and some of the pros and cons perhaps of, of actually you know, contributing to super. I'd, I'd just um, like to point out at the start of this that there's a lot of different contributions and names for contributions mm-hmm. and it can get quite confusing mm-hmm. um, but broadly um, there's concessional and non-concessional mm-hmm. um, and the types that we're talking about when we're talking about tax deductible are the concessional mm-hmm. contributions yep even that you know you just start there and start to go down you talk about concessional and non-concessional even that's confusing for the mm-hmm. lay person isn't it you know? yeah um, what do you mean concessional and non-concessional yeah, yeah it's, it's tax deductible and non-tax deductible yeah. they two different limits um, there's so much jargon in the financial planning world isn't there that, yeah. that, that does doesn't doesn't even make sense to the yeah, common yeah. person. Um, so so we so we know that you know we know that we can put money into superannuation, um, and and if we're talking about tax deductible superannuation contributions, um, you know the the limit that typically applies to that, excluding your your employer contributions, which again gets complex, um, is twenty seven and a half thousand dollars. That's, a, that's yeah, the general include, general including your employer contributions. Including yeah, sorry, yeah. including your employer contributions yeah. and any other salary sacrifice you chose to make at that point in time. So um, so, so how, how generally would people make that, that tax deductible contribution? It'd be via salary sacrifice. You know, that's where they tell their employer to take out a certain amount of money from their pay, put it into super before they pay tax on the rest. Um, and it's sort of done automatically. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Good yeah. point. So, so the pre-tax salary sacrifice contribution, yeah, that that's that's one of them. Um, and then in this instance, people could be making a personal contribution that they then claim as a tax deduction, yeah. which again interact inter um, interacts with the same um, concessional contribution cap that mm-hmm. Nick was alluding to and earlier. It essentially has the same tax effect. It's just yeah. that. Um, you do it a bit differently, you know. So, gen- largely speaking, people mm. make a, pers- a lump sum personal mm. contribution mm. towards the end of a financial year um, when they um, are aware of what their tax position is going to potentially be for yes. the year and they want to reduce their personal tax. Mm-hmm. Um, and boost but also super. boost their super. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, so, so how, how, much do you, how much does it cost for, let's just say, someone earning $100,000 a year, how much does it cost them? 
to get, personally, how much does it cost them to get a dollar into super? 15 cents. No, I reckon it costs about six, 66 cents. And it costs you 66 cents to get a dollar into super. With, with the tax deduction? With the tax deduction, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 All right. Yeah, oh, then the super fund takes yeah, yeah, uh, some, you know, yeah, 15% yeah, tax yeah, out yeah, as yeah. it goes in. But yeah. that's that's a way to try to I try to explain to people of how powerful it can be. Yeah, yeah. You know, it only cost you it only individually cost you. Yep. 66 cents roughly, a bit more, to get a to dollar, get a dollar in. Super, yep. super. That's pretty powerful. Yeah. Um, so that $27,500 limit um, is a lot less than it used to be. Um, there was a time I think it was 100 grand. Maybe there was a time before that where it was unlimited. I can't remember. I, mean, I, I know, that I definitely know early yeah. in my career yeah. that people were salary sacrificing their entire pay. Yeah, you, um, you, you could you could argue now that it is closer to a hundred thousand dollars for some people. If they like, can you tell me why? Yeah. So so interestingly, people can utilise unused concessional contributions from previous years and bring and bring them forward. So, I think. Um, I think it's for a period of five years. Um, that, Since that, 2019. 2019. So I think this is, yeah, so basically people can utilise up to five years of um, unused concessional contributions. And, and I'll just point out that the client that I was alluding to earlier in the wins that we were discussing, I had a look at their unused concessional contributions one of them was ninety thousand um, dollars. So this is, you know, this is an example of well, and, and I don't actually know the um, I don't know the ins and outs of this precisely. But if they can make a ninety thousand dollar tax deductible contribution, I can't quite understand why they wouldn't necessarily, and, and there'd be reasons why they wouldn't do this, but they couldn't necessarily salary sacrifice ninety thousand dollars in a year as well, um, yeah. because as far as the reportable components are concerned. It doesn't actually matter to the ATO. I don't know the. Impl- I actually don't know the precise implications to this, everyone. So I'm just just floating that out nice and early. But technically, people can now make um, really big um, deductible contributions back in the super, provided yeah. provided their super balance is what less than five hundred thousand yeah, dollars yeah. at the start of the financial yeah. year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So good, that's, good, that's good important. point. And stuff. I, was, I know I was talking to you, Nick, um, only in the last day or two, I think, around you know you have you were advising a client to be careful. I'm lucky I had a lid on that bottle of water Um, (laughs) because that could have got messy. Um, Yeah, about, you know, being careful not to do too much in the way of contributions this financial year so that they don't miss out on an opportunity next financial year. I think that was the gist of it. Yeah, Yeah. so Mm. essentially... um, we were talking about potentially putting some some money in as non-concessional or after-tax contributions, um, but it was going to push them up, up close to that uh, $500,000 yep. limit, yep. which would then exclude them from being able to make tax-deductible contributions. In the year after. The year after. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, you, have to, yeah, you have to be careful. When, you know, we, we know about this sort of stuff. We yeah. research it on, you know, case by case too. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there are unintended consequences of Absolutely. doing things without advice. Absolutely. Um, but um, what are some of the pros and... Because we've got about six minutes yep. to go. What are some of the pros and cons of, um, of getting money into super, um, you know, tax-deductible contributions into super, do you think? Are there any downsides to it? Uh, well, I'd say one of the... You know, so we talked about the tax benefits. So mm-hmm. I think they're reasonably obvious. Mm-hmm. But um, I, 
highlighting salary sacrifice and back to Nick's point around savings buckets and structures, it's actually automated. Mm. Um, it just happens. Um, you're sort of taking a level of human intervention out that may prevent you from actually um, not deciding to do it or choosing to spend for, the money. It's forced investing. Yeah, it's, it's forced investing. Mm. So I, th- I actually personally think that is one of the biggest benefits of it. Um, and then, of course... You know, I mean, you might say they go hand in hand with the tax benefits there, but yeah, just getting people to do it because my experience tells me where I've um, got people to make after tax tax deductible contributions this is just my experience. They're less likely to stick to that regime, whether their employer was actually um, deducting them out um, yeah. on their behalf. So, yep, yeah, that's the, that's probably my view of the one of the pros, mm-hmm. a couple of the pros. I'll meet that with a, a con. Yeah, I think um, for some people, they shut me down. Here. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I completely Every agree pro, with your pro, advantage, <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, yeah, some other people might say um, that they don't want to include their employer. Um, in their investment decisions or their financial plan. Yep. Um, so they might not want to tell their employer and um, essentially request that their employer put that money into yep. super rather than paying them. Um, so, um, yeah, I'd say that's a, a, a disadvantage. Yep. Um, yeah. But completely there is the advantage. That yeah, the advantage. Yeah. Like if, you, if you look at it on a purely financial um, basis... Getting extra money into super is going to be a good financial outcome long term. Yeah, you, know, you you can't like you can't argue against that. And, and and your point is is whether you do it before tax out of your salary or after tax and claim a tax deduction for it, it's effectively the same outcome. Well, it's a good outcome. Um, yeah, yeah. One of the cons, especially for younger people though, is once you get in, put that money into super, then you can't get it back yeah, out great, again until yeah, you retire. Great, great and point. if you're twenty years old, that's yeah. forty years. That, yeah. um, that it's so that's. That's an upside is that you're putting a dollar away for 40 years, which yeah. is going to grow yeah. to far more than a dollar over 40 yeah. year time frame, but you're not going to have that dollar to put towards a house deposit yeah. um, in five years' time or, or whatever. So you need people just need to be mindful that um, what goes in doesn't come out until retirement. Yep, Good. Um, great point. That's probably the only con I can think of. And, and you know, potentially not giving enough thought to how the money's invested in super. Absolutely, um, yeah. You know, so, you, you know, a young person doesn't want to be invested too conservatively in super because, generally, um, because that's a big opportunity lost, you know, by having having their money invested more growthy, yeah. you know, with more share exposure, they will more than likely get more higher returns than if they were in a more conservative yeah. investment over a 40, 50 yeah. year. And, and, it's, and it's a really good point because you can't just blanketly say, hey, you should be putting that money into super, mm-hmm. in salary sacrifice versus, you know, um, into your super fund, into the cash investment option, because if it is going to the cash investment option, it probably was better to pay the tax on that income and pay it off your mortgage bearing at 6%. Like, mm-hmm. like, so it's not, people just go, should, you know, it's a blanket statement, should I do this? And it's like, mm-hmm. well, hold on a minute. Mm-hmm. To your point, Steve, how's the money actually invested? Mm-hmm. That That's probably, you know, a very important piece to under, uncover. Mm-hmm. And then how does it fit in with your broader retirement planning mm-hmm. um, yeah. needs? It'd make our job a lot easier if it was just about maximising things rather mm. than balancing them and yeah. achieving goals. Exactly right. We'd be salary sacrificing yeah, or adding all of our income yeah, to super. Yeah, exactly right. super and that's it. Maximise it. Um, but you're not going to be able to buy a house because <laughs> <laughs> you'll never save a deposit. Yeah, you're and, and pretty and hungry. Yeah, <laughs> and to Nick's point there, the the balance like that is so true. It, it is it is this it is this balancing act. 
Very good. We're talking about balancing. We've failed today because we're not going to get to our last topic, which no, was um, right. mortgage offset. We'll get that to get to that next um, episode. That, I think that's what three people have done to us. It's, it's um, stretched out the conversation. <laughs> we might have to go to an hour. Um, that was, it's all right. We'll, we'll well, I'm, um, mate, I'm sure we're, we're, we're all not going to run out of stuff to talk about. Uh, and you love talking. So we'll... <laughs> um, I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> so we'll... We'll uh, hold off on mortgage offset accounts until next episode. Yep. Um, in the meantime, everyone, thanks for listening. Make sure you share, um, promote the, the podcast, grow the movement. What movement's that? Money, my movement. Mm-hmm. And we'll chat again next fortnight. See you later, guys. See ya. See ya. Bye. Bye.